0: Welcome again to everyone for our worship time. Let's read this together. A little loud there. 1 <laughs> Corinthians chapter 4 verses 1 through 5. Let a man consider us as stewards, I'm sorry. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you, or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know nothing against myself, yet I'm not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord." Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Father, I pray that you'll help us this morning to go through this short paragraph understand what the Lord wants us to take from it today. God, that we will apply it to our lives. God, that the principles that are found in this passage will set us free to live our lives as a performance unto Christ. God, I pray that we will perform for you and you alone. God, that our validation will come from nowhere else other than Jesus Christ. And because of the verdict that you have announced, because of the verdict that you have pronounced concerning us, that God, our lives would simply flow out of that. Lord, that's such a freeing way to live. And I ask, God, that you will do that in us and through us today for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Sometimes it's really difficult to find songs that will go along with your teaching, and Jordan or Samantha or Tracy will ask what the the theme is, and and you just can't find any music, and This song came to my mind as I was preparing. And the title of the sermon is something about our validation. I can't even remember what it is. You can look in your bulletin. Um, But we often look to others in order to be validated, we look for our occupation. Our passions to somehow validate us that we are people of worth. And all of those things always consistently fall short. They never, they never validate us. It's a constant cycle of always looking for more or frustration. And and this song talks about the verdict that God has pronounced on us in the person of Christ. The verdict that you and I have under our Lord and Savior is that we are forgiven. The verdict is that we are validated before God. Why? Because he was forsaken. What is the the verdict? What is the validation that God says about you and I? We are accepted in the beloved. That's who you and I are. We have been adopted into God's family. We were enemies. We were aliens. We were strangers. We were like sheep going astray, and our good shepherd has come and found us and has redeemed us. We are are forgiven we are accepted he validates us and then the chorus goes on and talks about the way we perform our life as a result of our validation as a result of the verdict this is how we live out our life amazing love how can it be that you my king would die for me amazing love i know it's true it's my joy to honor you this is the way we perform our lives is to bring honor to Christ. And we don't do it in order to be validated. We don't do it in order to get recognition from other people. The world owes us nothing, and there's nothing that the world can give us that Christ hasn't already done completely. You, this morning, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you are complete in Christ. You can't add to something that's complete. When it's done, it's finished, it's over, it's done. And that's the way Christ views you. If Christ has redeemed you, He has given you perfect righteousness in His Son. He has imputed to you something that you didn't have to earn. That's the verdict that you have this morning. That is how you are validated in your life. It's not by your success of your job. It's not by your bank account. It's it's not performing with your spiritual talents or your physical gifts. Those things don't validate you. That's not who you are. You are in Christ, and that is who you are. And we honor him in all we do because we've already been validated in Christ. The discipline of self-forgetfulness is such a blessing when you don't have to be validated by your peers, by the world, or even yourself. C.S. Lewis is a gifted writer, and he wrote a book called Mere Christianity, and there's a chapter on it on pride. And he makes a really neat observation about pride, and that's what they were dealing with in this whole letter of Corinthians, the first three chapters. And then he gets to chapter four and he says, Now let a man consider us as nothing but under-rowers of Christ, and we are just household servants who've been invested with the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required among a steward that he's to be found faithful, and he says, it's a very little thing that I should be judged by you people. In fact, I don't even want to go to a human court to get my validation, and I don't even judge myself because I don't know anything wrong against myself, but in this, I'm not even justified. I'm not declared right. Only Christ can do that. It is Christ who judges me. And then he ends this little paragraph. He says, therefore, don't judge anything until the time. And what is that time? It's when Christ comes. Christ has not come yet, and Christ didn't come spiritually in 70 A.D. I I don't know where that teaching is coming from, but it's confusing people, and it's, it's simply not biblical, because when Christ comes, Then he is going to bring to light the hidden things and he's going to reveal the counsels of men's heart and then our praise is going to come from God and then we will receive our rewards. In fact, Jesus said this, uh, not Jesus, but the angels who watched Jesus ascend into heaven, this is what, what the angels said. They said, this same Jesus, which was taken up from you, shall so come in like manner as you see him go into heaven. Jesus Christ bodily ascended into heaven, and Jesus Christ is bodily going to come to this earth. He didn't come when Titus the emperor destroyed the city of Jerusalem spiritually and somehow mystically came back. That's not what the Bible teaches. So we're clear on that here at North Valley Bible Church, that we're expecting Jesus Christ to come back, and he's going to establish His kingdom on this earth. You want to read about that kingdom, read through the book of Revelation and read through the book of Isaiah and you will see this incredible kingdom that is future that is awaiting you and I. And when that happens, that's when everyone will be validated before God and that's when you will have your praise. So you know what? We don't have to worry about any of it right now anyway, do we? Because the praise that I get right now really doesn't matter. There's only one who I want to hear in the final analysis and only one that you want to hear in the final analysis. And what do you want to hear him say? You want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And that's what Paul is saying here. It is required among a steward to be faithful. So this blessedness of just self-forgetfulness, I'm forgetful, but in a different way. You live free from the trap of the success syndrome When you forget about yourself and it's not about you. Let me get back to C.S. Lewis (laughs) I forgot I was chased a rabbit and forgot where this rabbit went C.S. Lewis in that book mere Christianity. He says when you meet a humble person You will never walk away and say boy that guy was humble In fact, when you meet a humble person, you won't even know you met a humble person because that's how humble he is You see we tend to think humility is when we debase ourselves and say, Well, you know, I'm really not that good. I'm really not that talented. I'm really not that smart. Because what you're doing is you're fishing for compliments and you want people to build you up. The humble person doesn't think less of himself, he thinks of himself less. Do you get that? That's what C.S. Lewis said. He's a smart guy. He doesn't think less of himself, he thinks less about himself. And Paul is saying here, you've got all these wonderful gifted teachers, Apollos, me, Paul is one of their gifted teachers, uh, Peter, and they've got all these different parties and divisions, and he says, first of all, I want you to have the proper perspective on who you are. So the first step in self-forgetfulness is having a proper perspective of who you are. This trap of the success syndrome. An insatiable appetite. Our egos have got an insatiable appetite. Once you start feeding it, it never says enough. It always wants more. A sense of guilt never measuring up when the world has to validate you. The frustration and the dissatisfaction of disappointed and unfulfilled dreams. Why? Because those dreams, you're looking for those things to validate you. Some of the symptoms that you are not living that blessed life of self-forgetfulness, what are some of the symptoms? If you went to a doctor and said, you know, doctor, I, I want to have this self-forgetful life. And he says, well, let's, let's do some diagnostic questions here. And, and let's see if, if you're not in that place. Are you preoccupied with future goals? that prevents you from enjoying living in the present moment? That's a sign that you're not living in self-forgetfulness. Are you overwhelmed with a sense of anxiety for failing what others expect of you? That's another symptom. A sense of failure when all of your well-made plans fall through and you feel like just devastated. Perhaps you are looking for that thing to validate you. This leads to discouragements. Sometimes it leads to envy of other people's successes. Sometimes it gives you the inability to share when others are successful because you're jealous of them and may lead to bitterness. Well, how do we live in this blessed place of self-forgetfulness? We do this by letting Christ alone determine our verdict. Let Christ alone validate you, nothing else, Christ is the one who validates you. Christ is the one who says that you are my beloved son. You are adopted. You are forgiven. You are made complete in Christ. Let those things validate you. There are three principles from this passage that we're going to look at that will help us accomplish this. But... Let me just tell you a story that I read this week in USA Today to show you that this is something that we live in every single moment. Now, I was in Eugene the past week to watch the Olympic trials and to watch my son run. And the very first 5, or 3,000-meter steeplechase that he ran this season, he was interviewed and he said, my goal is to make it into the finals of the Olympic trials. And so he's run a seven-and-a-half-lap race, and many of you watched it. And on the last lap, he went from ninth place to fifth place and was gaining on fourth place, and he has 150 meters before the finish line and trips over the last water barrier and ends up sixth, one place out of making it into the Olympic trials finals. Now, if that was his source of validation, if that's what he is looking to 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 prove that he is who he says he is and what he can do, it all fell apart at that moment. I read in the newspaper the morning before he ran about the 800 meter final that was coming up. It was a a race that was filled with drama, because you couldn't pick who was going to be the top three. There was an amazing field, a young man named Donovan Brazier, and forgive me for indulging in track and field this morning, but it is biblical. Run the race it's set before you. But Donovan Brazier was a world champion. He was the NCAA champion as a freshman, and then he went professional. There was another young man that ran for the University of Kansas, another NCAA champion, never finished college, and he went professional. There was another man who was a bronze medalist in the Rio Olympics in this race. There was another young man that won the NCAA title as junior year, and as a freshman in college, he finished sixth in the Olympic trials final. His name was Isaiah Harris. Five years he had waited to come back and run this race. And that morning, as I was reading that article, they interviewed him, and he said this, if I do not make the Olympic team, I consider this and my training to be a failure. I thought, how sad. Because again, he missed the Olympic team, and he finished fourth. Did he go away from that Olympic trials not being validated, being frustrated, being disappointed, being discouraged, being envious, being jealous of those men who did make it? I don't know any of those things. But when your passion is your pursuit and your performance, whatever that might be, is the way that you find validation, you will always... Without exception, be disappointed. Because people are going to forget Clayton Murphy one day. They're going to forget who won the Olympic trials in the 800 meters. Probably by next summer, no one will even know that name. So how do we do this? Well, one, we begin with the right perspective. We begin with the right perspective. So Paul says, I want you to have a right perspective of who I am, and we need to have a right perspective of who we are. Well, who are we in Christ? He says right here, he says, I want you thus to consider us, a man to consider us, and then he tells us how. He gives us two nouns. One is a servant, and the word for servant is a galley slave, that's underneath the ship that nobody sees, and all he's doing is pulling on the oars. That's the way I need to consider myself. There's no disappointment in that. There's no no illusions of grandeur. I am a slave of Christ. He owns me. I belong to Him, and so when I perform... I am performing for my master. I don't have to please the world. I don't have to please my peers. And this is the beauty of this passage, is we don't have to please ourselves. Modern psychologists have got it all wrong. They they used to say that, that all the world's ills are because people have got so much pride and they think too much of themselves. Well, they've they've gone, psychology's gone to the other extreme now and said, oh, all of our ills, all of our problems is because poor little Johnny has got a bad self-esteem and we need to build him up. I don't know if Johnny's here this morning. (laughs) And so what do we do? We tell this guy, you're successful, you're wonderful, and he never, ever understands who he really is. It's not about me. It's not about my peers. It's not what the world thinks of me. It's what Jesus Christ thinks of me. That's all that matters. Christ loved you when you were without hope and without God and you were God's enemy. He came and he loved you because you are of infinite value to him. Your soul is the greatest worth to Christ. Jesus said, what does it profit if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? That's what Christ has come to redeem. And when he redeems you, you become his slave. You are bought with a price. Slaves don't have any rights, and they don't have any will of their own. They say, Master, what do you want me to do? The second thing I need to consider myself as a steward. A steward is a household manager, and none of it belongs to him anyway. So if you stumble on that last hurdle or if you come across the finish line first, it really doesn't even matter because all you are is a steward of something that God has given you, and God wants you to manage it for Him. So your success and your validation has nothing to do with how you finish or how you perform. It has everything to do with what you are entrusted with. It is required in a steward that he be found faithful. So I need to start with a proper perspective of who I am. Then we don't let anyone determine our validation. Let's go to the text and see what Paul says here in verse 3. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you. Anakrina'o. Anachronomai means to give a verdict on somebody. And Paul says it is a very small thing. He uses the same word in the book of Ephesians when he says he is less than the least of all saints. He says that's that's how insignificant it is if I get my verdict from you, you Corinthians. It means absolutely nothing, my validation, if it's from you. And then he says... If I am judged by a human court, that means nothing. In fact, I don't even judge myself. I don't get my validation from myself. Now, what did Paul think of himself? Paul said this He said, I believe, and this is a faithful saying, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. That's the way he thought of himself. But he says, That didn't cripple him. He realized also that he was an apostle and that he had been entrusted with God's mysteries. And he said, I labor more than all the other apostles, but not even I, but but God who's working his grace through me. So Paul had this beautiful balance that he understood that he was a sinner, but he also understood that he was an apostle that had been given spiritual gifts and that he was laboring through what God had given him. What a wonderful privilege it is to say that I don't even have to live up to my own expectations. We put so much pressure on ourselves to live up to what the world expects. We put pressure on ourselves to live up to what our peers expect of us. And we can do this to ourselves. Unless this thing works, I feel like I'm a failure. Whatever that is, you fill in the blank this morning. And you don't even have to do that this morning. You don't have to be judged by yourself. You don't get your validation from yourself. You don't get it by the world. And you don't get it from your peers. It is Christ alone who gives you your verdict. Our third point, this is a quick sermon this morning. Wait for the final verdict. So I've got to have a bright perspective on who I am. I am a servant. I'm an under rower. I belong to Christ, that sets me free. I am a steward. Everything that I've got, it belongs to God and God has entrusted me to use it for his glory. So I'm I'm free, it's not about me. It doesn't matter what the world thinks of me. They don't validate me, they don't give me my verdict. It is Christ who has justified you. Look what Paul says here, he says, even though I don't judge myself in in verse, verse four, Yet, I am not justified by this declared right or declared just. It's the perfect tense in the original language. It's translated as a present tense in the New King James. I am not justified by this. But what Paul is meaning, and it's translated as the present, there was an experience in his past where God declared him just and declared him righteous, and he is continually just and righteous because his righteousness has nothing to do with his performance. Your justification and your position in Christ has nothing to do with your performance. You have been declared right and now you perform for Christ because what he has done for you. You don't perform for Christ in order to earn brownie points. You don't perform for Christ in order to get justification. It's just the opposite. And you and I are set free to live for God's glory because he has declared us just. So verse 5, therefore judge nothing before the time. What is that time? It's until Christ comes. What will Christ do? He will bring to light two different things. One is the hidden things of darkness. Now, oftentimes we get validated when people recognize the things that you do. You'll get validated, you'll get your self-worth when people see the work and the effort, and when that doesn't happen, you you don't feel validated. You don't feel like the verdict has come in. But you can rest today because there is nothing that you have done for the cause of Christ that will go unrecognized. Therefore, my beloved... Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that nothing that you do in Christ is in vain. It tells us in the book of Hebrews that God is not forgetful of all the things that you have showed toward his name. One day every hidden thing will be brought to light. Every time that you came into the church and you dusted these seats, you pushed a vacuum, you cleaned up a toilet, you brought in a a breakfast, whatever it is, you don't have to get validated because somebody patted you on the back. Whatever work it is, you don't have to be recognized by anybody until the time comes when God is going to expose it all and say, look what my servant did. And I'm going to bring it all to light. And then the second thing that God is going to expose and bring to light is the counsels of the heart. Maybe the thing was a flop. Maybe you had this great idea, this wonderful venture, and it failed miserably. And you are looking for your validation from that thing. I remember when I ran in the Olympic trials and I could feel my Achilles tendon starting to tear that last lap. It was over. But I remember talking to a pastor friend right before I went to the Olympic trials, and he said, Patrick, how can I pray for you? That's hard when you're in the midst of an athletic event or anything that you're trying to do. And, and I asked him to pray Colossians chapter 2 for me. Colossians chapter 4 that God would open up a door for the Word of God. Now, I struggle with my motives. Oh, Lord, help me, I pray so many times with my motives. We're so sinful, aren't we? (laughs) That's just who we are. And you're doing the right thing, and you're struggling. God, why am I really doing this? But here's the beauty. When you finally can get to that place and say, God, I want this to be done for you, what a blessed place that is, the blessedness of self-forgetfulness. And one day, God is going to bring to pass the counsels of the heart. When you do your alms, when you do your good deeds, don't even let your right arm know what your left arm is doing. Your God who sees in secret, He will reward you openly. And when you pray, don't pray before men who love the praises of others, but go to your closet and you pray to God alone. And your God who sees your motive, who sees your heart in your closet. He will reward you openly. And Jesus said, moreover, when you fast, don't have a sad countenance. Don't go around with sucked-in lips and saying, oh, man, am I hungry. Because that's where your praise ends, right there. When people say, oh, boy, you're so spiritual. Boy, thank you for doing that good deed. Or, man, your prayers are wonderful. You know what? That is the only reward you're ever going to get, is man's. Pretty fleeting, isn't it? But one day when Christ comes, every secret thing that you've ever done for Him is going to be brought out in the light, and every wonderful motive that you have done for the praise and the honor of Christ, it will come to pass. So you want to live a life of self-forgetfulness? Three simple things. Start out with the right perspective of who you are. It will take away all all those expectations of what you have to live up to, you're a slave that belongs to Jesus. You're a steward of the mysteries of God. Paul did not originate any of those mysteries that he writes about in the book of Ephesians. Any of those mysteries that he writes about in the book of Galatians, they all came from God, and God possessed them and owned them, and he says, Paul, I want you to manage them for me. And that's the way we need to think of ourselves. And only one thing that God requires of you, be faithful. Don't let anybody validate you except for Christ, because he has the one who has declared you just and righteous, and you perform your life out of an outflow of love for him because of that. And thirdly, you wait for the final verdict. That will help you live a life of self-forgetfulness. Pretty simple, isn't it? A servant owns nothing. A steward is merely a manager of what someone else has given him. He only answers to one master, and we are managing Christ's affairs. No one can give us a verdict that we need to hear. Since our validation comes from Christ, we now perform because of who we are rather than what we need to prove to others. Faithfulness is the only thing that is praiseworthy. So let this be your definition of success. May that be your definition of success. Were you faithful? Nothing else.